Powered by volunteer community involvement, this is CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg. Bikini Drive-In's mission is to analyze horror films through an intersectional feminist lens while combining elements of screening media studies, arts criticism, and gender studies. Since we'll be discussing portrayals of foreign violence, content warning, and listener discretion is advised. Also, spoilers ahead. Today, I'm joined by Stacey Parker. Thank you so much for being on the show. I Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm, I'm such a big fan of yours. I'm like kind of starstruck, so like, thank you so much oh, absurd I will ruin any image you have of me by the time this is over I promise <laughs> um, Stacy Ponder is a writer artist and podcast host focused on horror movies and horror flavored video games in addition to her long-running critically acclaimed horror blog Final Girl her work has appeared in Rumor magazine Lady Disgusting and Afterbellum she, she is the author of Slashers 101, The Bed, and Death Count, All of the Deaths in the Friday the 13th Film Series Illustrated. With artist and performer Anthony Hudson, she co-hosts the weekly podcast, Feelings of Darkness, which looks at horror movies through queer lens. Today we'll be discussing Joel Anderson's 2008 film, Lake Mungo. I feel like Something bad is going to happen to me. It hasn't reached me yet, but it's on its way. The normally tranquil setting of Ararat's taken too soon. Ten days after Ellie's funeral, stuff started happening around the house. Sounds seemed to come from Ellie's old room. They didn't really relent, so I thought, well, I'll just set up a camera, just, you know, I see anything. I looked back and there was footage of a figure moving across the hallway. The image was quite unsettling because it certainly looked like us. Why don't you close your eyes? I usually uh, videotape my sessions. Something was happening inside that house and I wanted to find out what it was. We checked the tapes. There was a ghost in our house. kept secrets. She kept the fact she kept secrets a secret. Something bad is going to happen to me. Alice knew she was going to die. I feel like something bad has happened. It hasn't reached me yet, but it's on its way. And it's getting closer. begins experiencing inexplicable events in their home after their daughter and sister Alice drowns. The family hires a parapsychologist whose investigation unveils Alice's secret double life and leads them all to Lake Mungo. So Stacey, what is your history with Lake Mungo? What is my history with Lake Mungo? Uh, boy, you know, it was released here in the U.S. Uh, as part of this, back in the mid 
aughties, there was a kind of, they called it like a film festival, but it was just a series of DVD releases. Mm -hmm. um, and they were usually trash. There was like one good title it was eight films to die for. Okay. Would not recommend dying for any of the films they ever released. Uh, but Lake Mungo was one of them and it was completely out of place in that group. And uh, I don't know, I checked it out and it really hit me, this movie. Um, and I watched a few years later and it hit me even harder. It scared me so badly that, like it unsettled me and unnerved me so badly that I couldn't sleep. Oh my gosh. Um, and so it's just become one of my favorite films and I love that it's getting more attention and getting more of the praise that I think it deserves. It didn't really make a huge splash. <laughs> splash. Unlike Alice, no. <laughs> it didn't make a huge splash when it was released. <laughs> oh, that's awful. Oh no. Poor Alice, right? Poor Alice, yeah. Yeah, but people really seem to appreciate it now. I'm a big found footage junkie. So hey, yeah. Yeah, I heard about it through your show, Videos of Darkness. Oh. Yeah. Um and yeah, but I watched it, I guess, like a few months ago. I could only find the version on YouTube. Huh. But yeah, it's so unsettling. And I feel like there's a lot going on with it. And there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, it's like, it's so like, haunting, which is like a corny word to use with this film. But like, yeah, yeah, it's just so, it's so, depressing. so depressing, depressing, <laughs> but like, yeah. so well done. And like, such an interesting way to use found footage genre, I think. Yeah, yeah, the documentary setup. I, th I think it just, it feels real. Mm -hmm. You know, like the acting is so good in this film mm -hmm. that you feel like you're really watching a real family and a real documentary. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, um, yeah, so it's filmed like a true crime documentary or sort of like sit down interviews, like an episode of like Unsolved Mysteries or something like that. And Apparently it was shot in different sections because the director couldn't find funding for it's sort of like a different, more expensive, like more of a narrative film. And I wonder, like, I'm curious as to what that would have looked like, like his sort of ideal film, like with a different budget and would it be as upsetting, would it be as effective as a more like straightforward narrative film? Yeah, because it does, it has the setup, <clears throat> excuse me, that we've seen so many times of like, oh, is the house haunted? You know, is there a ghost? Is there not a ghost? Um, but it just does it in such a refreshing, unique way that I would hate to see it as a traditional narrative, I think. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> it was, I guess it was released in 2008, but was supposed to come out in 2005 or was mostly shot in 2005. And so the found footage landscape kind of changed around that time because of paranormal activity. Mm -hmm. And so it, before Paranormal Activity, I don't think they would have known what to do with this movie. But oh, then after Paranormal Activity, which was, <clears throat> excuse me, which was a huge phenomenon. It's like, mm -hmm. well, it's just another found footage movie, I guess. Really? So. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and apparently there was no script. I think like similar to um, the Blair Witch Project, there mm -hmm. were the interviewees were just sort of like given notes and given sort of like, told the story or it's given sort of like a story structure but weren't given actual lines and I think that way like the storytelling feels very authentic yes I'm not yeah, also I, not sure like if any of the actors 
have been in anything since. I'm not sure about the actors, <clears throat> but I know that the, the filmmaker really hasn't done anything else. And he mm -hmm. really kind of kept the mystery around this whole, the whole movie. And I really appreciate that, that he didn't, mm -hmm. I, not that I think he should be one and done, but I almost appreciate that he is because it just lends this film more mystery. Even though we know it's fake, we know it's fiction, mm -hmm. it's still, makes it seem really unique. It's like after Blair Witch when the cast wasn't doing press interviews, like they kind of shot the Blair Witch and then they disappeared for a really mm -hmm. long time. Right. And it's just like, let's have some more fun with it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I want to believe. Exactly, I think that's why, yeah, why it kind of feels like, oh, it could be real, I don't know, or like, yeah, like a cursed huh. film or something. And I feel like I've said this on the show before, but like, I don't, I think movies are just better when there's, when they have less money, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, like, I don't know, I think people are able to be more, like, creative. Yeah, oh, for sure, like, it, it I think it, it uh, means you have to solve problems creatively, mm -hmm. rather than just, like, we'll fix it in post, mm -hmm. or, you know, you look at something like, uh, not to single anyone out, but I'll say it, Dario Argento. You know, you look at things, it's like when you have practical effects, things that have to be done on a limited budget, on screen, in camera, all of this, versus, ah, we'll put the computer praying mantis in it later. Like, is that the best idea, Dario? I don't know. So, <laughs> yeah, sometimes all the best, all the classic, best horror movies in my opinion were made for minuscule budgets mm -hmm. by hungry casts and hungry crews yeah you know so yeah and yeah. this is a prime example I yeah think. i totally agree i love this movie um are you a fan of australian horror films kind of more generally yeah mm -hmm. yeah if you haven't seen uh picnic at hanging rock mm -hmm. Um, I watched Lake Mungo last night to prepare for this, and I was really struck this time by some of the similarities to Picnic at Hanging Rock, uh, 1975 Australian film, and how it's, <clears throat> which was also supposed to be based on a true story. Mm -hmm. um, and they're both, I think, uniquely Australian mm -hmm. in that, like, you have the actual Lake Mungo here, you have Hanging Rock in Picnic at Hanging Rock, these places that are, like, uh areas of I mean not to get too woo-woo but they're supposed to be like sort of a supernatural kind of mystical energy mm -hmm. um and I love that we don't have that here in America it's like <laughs> I mean what do we you know we have the Grand Canyon I guess but yeah. it's, there's nothing mystical about the Grand Canyon but these places where it's like people go there and disappear like look mm -hmm. what happened to Alice at Lake Mungo mm -hmm. and it's just really otherworldly and I think that's unique to Australia because it's, it's a wild place, man. Totally, yeah. I feel like in, in yeah, like Picnic at Hanging Rock and other sort of Australian films, there's this kind of like fear about like rural isolation versus like the domestic sphere. And, mm -hmm. but in this film, like both spaces are kind of shown as like cold and empty in different ways. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of shots of like an empty house. And, and then compared to like shots outside that are where the house is shown. And it's just like, I'm not sure what they did with the lights, but it looks like, like a meteor storm almost. Mm -hmm. It's very cool. Yeah, it, it makes everything feel 
removed from our reality somehow. And it kind of adds to the feeling, the sort of existential dread of this, where it's like, it's like when you look what happens to Alice, it's like, are these realities that are colliding? Could this happen? You know, or do you just like slip into another a parallel time? Like I'm not high right now, I promise. But it just, you know, I think that's just Australia. Like, yeah, even, uh, I mean, the, the outback there is gonna be terrifying. Everything is trying to kill you in Australia. Yeah. So, plants, animals, everything, bugs. So, Um, I was just watching um, Kayla Janice's new folklore documentary. It's called Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched. And in one section, writer Alexandra Heller Nicholas talks about Australian horror films like Lake Mungo, like Picnic at Hanging Rock, as not directly talking about sort of indigenous cultures and colonialism, but kind of this like a sense of a vast unknowable place. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like such an interesting way to sort of frame those films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think it's gonna be like the, you can't ignore, I think the, uh, I don't know how to phrase it, the clashes and strife with indigenous cultures are gonna inform everything, even when it's not directly about that, it's always gonna mm-hmm. play into it. And definitely, I think it plays into it with Picnic at Hanging Rock. Oh, for sure. You know? Yeah. So. And, and yeah, so just, just a little bit of background. So Lake Mungo is a real place and I believe it's, it might be a national park, but it is a sacred indigenous site and is where the oldest human remains found in Australia were discovered. And the, the historical aspect isn't brought up in the film, but I think it's still, it's still present. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure like where the filmmaker stands because like you can see it as sort of like the the land is like cursed mm-hmm. in, in sort of like the racist like Indian burial ground trope. Mm-hmm. Or again, it's just this like kind of like unknowable space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not really sure like where I stand on that. Yeah. What do you think? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if he's making a judgment mm-hmm. or just, is it, t- I mean, I'm, you know, is it tied to what Australians believe of that space? Mm-hmm. you know it's like picnic at, at hanging rock people have gone to hanging rock after even though it's not true mm-hmm. but it's uh it is a place that exists and so are they aware of how much history that's a good question because that is where it's hard to know because alice was having those feelings before she went to lake mungo but lake mungo is where sh- stuff <laughs> went down yeah you know yeah so um, yeah so in the film i guess we should um more detail but um so she's there with like a, it's on like a class trip like a group of friends are there um kind of partying like in the it's kind of like it's like a dry lake bed and so she she wanders off and it's later discovered that she buried um her like her watch her her phone and there's like another little like a personal item and then they found, her family found her phone footage and she's basically confronted with her, a figure of her own dead body. Like haunted by herself, essentially. Scared of dying? 
Yeah, of course I'm scared of dying. Isn't everyone scared of dying? Would you like to tell me a little bit about what happens in these dreams? I feel like something bad is going to happen to me. I feel like something bad has happened. It hasn't reached me yet, but it's on its way. And it's getting closer. And I don't feel ready. I feel like I can't do anything. the face as soon as I saw it on the phone video. It was the same face uh, of the body that I had identified at the dam. It was Ellie's body and Ellie's face. There is absolutely no rational explanation for what she saw on that phone. like doesn't it has all these elements it has all these like kind of like uncanny ghosty australian horror elements but then it doesn't actually give you any answers right yeah which is where the dissonance happens because by the time we get to the end of this movie the palmer family mm -hmm. feel that they have wrapped everything up they feel mm -hmm. like they have closure in all of this and they move houses they're going to start a new life they feel like a family again etc cetera, etc cetera. But there's no closure for Alice, mm -hmm. and there's really no closure for the audience because there are so many unanswered questions. Mm -hmm. um, so many narrative threads are presented and then dropped throughout the film that you don't know what's real, what's really happening, what's a fake out. Um, there's just so many layers that reveal themselves over time, but that doesn't mean they're resolved. Mm -hmm. And I think it just, for me, it just instills this feeling of being like completely unsettled and it taps into like existential loneliness. It reminds me of the film Cairo, Pulse, the Japanese oh, okay, film, yeah. um, of that sort of, we're all inherently lonely and trying to reach out to other people, but you can't always make connections. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's just, so many like little aspects of that. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I was just going to say that like there's two storylines in this film, even though mostly we're following the family and like them trying to figure out what's going on. We also have Alice's story where we very rarely hear from her directly, but we see her loneliness throughout her life and throughout her death and trying to connect with her friends and her family, but also having secrets and it's just profoundly sad the whole thing is just so sad it's so sad yeah because there's the sort of idea of like the failure to connect you can see that in um 
the relationship between um, Alice and her mother, and then June, her mother, and then her mother. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of this like these different women just not being able to connect in even while they're alive. And then mm -hmm. also like Alice's premonitions and not and her dreams and not being able to connect with her mother that way because they're they are kind of having like simultaneous visions of dreams, but then not actually able to connect. Right. Yeah, like uh you know, June tells of being in bed and being too afraid to open her eyes because she feels like something's there. And then we hear from Alice mm -hmm. and she's standing at the foot of her mother's bed and her mother won't look at her, you know? And so it's just, they're experiencing these same things in sort of parallel timelines almost, mm -hmm. but yeah, they, ne yeah. they never cross each other. They never make that connection. And it's yeah. just- It kind of feels like there's like a flattening of time. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense or different, if you want to say like dimensions or different realities or whatever, it's all kind of like a flattening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, yeah, the way things and the way the movie slowly reveals things. Like we might not get Alice's narrative until later and it connects back to something that June said at the beginning. And it all comes to a head when you they re-show photographs that we've seen. Because <laughs> the family thinks that they are haunted by Alice because the son, Maddie, has been taking pictures and videos and all of this, and we see a ghostly figure. Mm -hmm. And he says that it's Alice, but it's later revealed that Maddie has been faking all of this. Mm -hmm. But then even later, we see the pictures again, and you realize that while Maddie will be faking it over here, there Alice is actually there, maybe on the other side of the frame. I Just, didn't <laughs> see that sequence until like the second time I watched it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize it was like in the credits. God, it's so upsetting. <laughs> Yeah, and you realize pictures you've seen before, like mm -hmm. the movie starts off and we see a picture of June and her husband, Russell, and the son, Maddie, and it's just the three of them. And your eye is drawn to them, but then they show you the picture again and you realize that Alice is in the window of the house the whole time. And so she's there, but they don't know it. And so she's yeah. just kind of disconnected from them in life and in death. And it's yeah. just bums yeah. me out man yeah it's such a bummer and like such a like twist on the kind of classic like ghost story trope of like oh we found the bones and we covered up the well and now uh problem yeah. solved problem um, solved yeah but when actually it's like yes they found the videotape yes they found like the phone footage they're not being haunted anymore or strange things aren't happening in the house anymore so they can move on but actually she's still there and just like not being able to to reach out yeah and they just drive away. Oh, so sad. <laughs> and then she's just there. She's just there. What can she do? Oh, God. This is when my ghost questions come up. Like, oh, yeah, what is the science behind the ghosts? Like, as a ghost, is Alice, she didn't die at the house. So is mm -hmm. she tethered to the house? Or could she potentially follow them? These are the questions I want answered. Yeah, or, or is she tethered to the family? Right. Mm -hmm. Can she go with That's them? That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Ghost science need answers. Yeah. No, this movie doesn't answer anything. <laughs> it doesn't answer. It's anything. just going to bum you out. I know. Yeah. It's a mood, right? Like, this is not, uh, oh, great. Everybody's over for beer at the Halloween party. Let's put on Lake Mungo. Like, no. No, no, no. No. This is when you're feeling depressed or you want to feel depressed. 
you're by yourself, it's late at night, uh, put it on and you'll feel even worse. But it's great. It's really scary. Yeah, it's, it's really unnerving. Yeah, it's so great. And yeah, like again, like has like ghost film tropes, like like the movie Psychic, which I think might be like one of my favorite movie tropes. <laughs> it's like the, um, what's the term I'm thinking of? Um, spiritualism? Mm -hmm. sort of like like another ghost story so in the changeling we have we have a medium scene and the yeah. others and yeah all the best like ghost movies have like a psychic scene and here yeah. he's kind of presented like is he a scammer is he legit and he's also like meeting with women privately and met with alice privately before he even met her family and they didn't tell them yeah yeah yeah, he has a radio show, but then when it's like, it seems like they might actually have a ghost in their house, I do like that he admits that he's out of his league. He's like, this has never happened. I don't know what exactly his, like, what is, what services does he provide? Because basically people just tell him their dreams and then he's like, okay, let's visualize you're in a house. And then that's it. He's not trying to connect them with anybody. He's more like a therapist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Versus yeah, your like 70s, I love a 70s low budget seance, you know? Yeah, the, it's always like a woman in like a frilly collar. Yeah. yeah. Like drawing something or. Yeah. yeah, or a cape. She's got a nice oh, cape yes. on and it's like, she'll, they'll start the seance and then inevitably she's like, no, I feel the presence. Yeah. And you know, I love that, but. Or even, oh, I just thought of Don't Look Now also has a, yeah. has a psychic character. Oh, love yeah. a movie psychic. Love a movie psychic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you kind of touched on this a little bit um, already, but um, this film is also like about absence. Like Alice is the main character of the film basically, but her absence is the subject. And mm. I feel like it's very similar to um, David Lynch's Twin Peaks and Fire Walk With Me. And kind of this idea of like a girl with a secret where it's about her, but she's actually not present in the film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. It's that's another interesting trope. Um, and this could be a little scandalous with the whole sex tape with the neighbors thing. Right. Yes. Uh, so there is that kind of lurid side of it of like, but her friends don't know she had secrets from her boyfriend, her family, her friends. And I get, I mean, maybe it just speaks to the way we never truly know each other. Mm -hmm. Even though we want to make those connections, you can never actually know somebody. Yeah. But it's, uh, I like that it doesn't, I don't think this movie judges her though. No. Which I no, appreciate. I so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, the, um, the situation with the neighbors is, is interesting, but they don't necessarily like talk about it in terms of like, she's being exploited, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? But she is like a teenager and they're like grownups that she looks for. I don't know, I think it's a little Right, but. yeah, there's that. But, and the family is understandably outraged by it, but they also mm -hmm. say like, well, this, the tape points to consent. I don't know what the age of consent is. Right. But you know, uh, in the eyes of the law, probably nothing would come of it. Mm -hmm, totally. But yeah, you're, you're totally right. She's not like judged for that. Yeah. At all. It, it, again, it's like her family just feels kind of sad that they didn't know about it. 
Yeah, like she was going through, they felt bad she was going through something mm -hmm. and didn't feel like she could share it with them. Yeah. You know? yeah. Because they noticed obviously that she was distressed over some things, but, mm -hmm. but the, the neighbor videotape thing is just another one of the like threads that leads to nowhere. There's no resolution really. The neighbors move away and that's the end of it. Yeah unexplained there's a lot still a lot of unexplained stuff in this movie mm -hmm. yeah and um a lot of like people dealing with grief in kind of strange ways mm -hmm. so we have um the brother maddie sort of dressing up not well, like wearing alice's like sweatshirt basically and going walking around the lake where she drowned and then being caught on camera and then that is sort of released and thought to be like a picture of a ghost, a picture of Alice. Um, and then we also have um, the mother June. So early on, she talked about like going for walks at night and wandering into people's houses and wanting to live someone else's life. So just like cool, like creepy doubling mm -hmm. happening in different ways. And like, yeah, I found myself trying to like solve the mystery. <laughs> Like, with, like <laughs> ghost films or whatever. Um, while I was watching it, and um, I kept on being like, "Oh, the dad did it," or "Oh, like the brother knows something." And I feel like that's because it's like very similar to like true crime, which is like, yeah, it's always the dad and the husband. But um, <laughs> but yeah, again, it's all these threads that kind of go to nowhere, and it's just like this family dealing with grief in their own weird ways. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, even her death. It's like they're all enjoying time at the lake, and she just kind of vanishes. Mm -hmm. don't, nobody heard her. She didn't cry for help. There was no splash. There was, it's not like the water was choppy that day. Mm -hmm. They don't remark on any of that. The weather was fine. She just slips away. Yeah. Life is so fragile, Olivia. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but it just, I think it, I don't know. It really, it's a good time, I think, to watch this movie. Yes. Um, given the current state of uh, the world and the impending apocalypse, you know, it just, just this feeling of like, we don't have all the answers. We're never gonna get all of the answers. Mm -hmm. We're just- It's just absurd. It's absurd. Life is chaos and we're here yeah. and then we're not. Yeah. And or there's also like another sort of thing that's never brought up, but like when they go, when they're coming back from identifying Alice's body, their car won't drive forward. So they have to drive home backwards. Yeah in reverse so again just this like absurd sort of like yeah chaos for no reason chaos why does it maddie has bruises all over his body for a hot mm -hmm. minute yeah and then they go away and that's the end of it but he doesn't say like oh i felt you know like i was getting beat up but like it just bruises manifest mm -hmm. and then go away yeah there's no answers i like answers i want ghost science I want to know all the secrets and mysteries of life. I want them all resolved. And I'm trying as a human to accept the fact that that will never happen. It's very yeah. tough for me to accept, but yeah. Yeah. Mungo's a reminder. Yeah. And it's all, yeah, it talks about like the inevitability of death and like June, when she quotes, she calls it like the meanest, dumbest machine and it's coming for all of us, which is- I know, <laughs> I know. Thanks like, June. Thanks, thanks a bunch. Like Yeah. It's coming and it doesn't care. No. But I mean, I feel like what sums up the last year and a half better than that, like yeah. death is there and it doesn't yeah. care. No. It's coming for us all. Oh, no. <laughs>
the autopsy was performed on the Monday, the 27th. Then the coroner released the body on the Tuesday, the 28th. It was very strange spending Christmas Day with the family up there while Alice lay alone in the morgue. I don't know, it was just like I hadn't seen her for a week or anything, like... Yeah, it didn't feel real. Death takes everything eventually. It's the meanest, dumbest machine there is and it just keeps coming and it doesn't care. There's nothing else to know about it, really. I first met Ray when um, June brought him home for dinner the night of her first consultation. And, uh, yeah, I'm completely indifferent to psychics. I don't really have a position on them at all. I don't really want them to come round for dinner, mind you, but, you know, I, I didn't want to upset June either. He was a pleasant sort of a bloke. He wasn't ooky-spooky at all. And I was on my best behaviour. Uh, a few days later, maybe, uh, maybe a week later, I suggested to the family that we hold a seance. June was really keen, but I remember Russell just flat out refused. I think Matthew finally talked his dad around. Matthew, how did you feel about having a seance held in the house? Um, at the time, I was actually kind of uh, interested, sort of curious. I don't think Dad was uh, thrilled about the idea. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought uh, it would be interesting. And um, I suggested we film it. And um, I recorded it just with our uh, video camera, which is the PC9. I'm getting a strong presence in the room. In the house. I think we all thought that the seance was a failure. Um, Ray didn't really come up with anything, with kind of with any signs or anything. So um, after about an hour or so, we called it quits. And um, it wasn't until the next day that um, uh, Matthew was reviewing the, um, the footage that uh, there was a, an image of Alice. footage was um, completely different to the hallway footage. For, for one, it was significantly more detailed, so it was less ambiguous. And uh, it was impossible to dismiss it as a, you know, a coincidence of shadow play and digital noise. There was something inexplicable in our house that was beyond doubt. I was concerned. This was pretty unfamiliar territory for me. I've never seen a ghost before. Uh, 
Oh, poor Alice. Oh my God, this movie is so great, even though it is a bummer and a half. Like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. But it's so well done. It's so like I, I think Alice being confronted with the vision of herself is just one of the. I mean, granted, it's just scary in a superficial way. Like it's a horrifying image and then we get like the one kind of jump scare in the movie. Mm-hmm. And so that'll get you. But just thinking, I know I've said this word like 50 times, mm-hmm. but like thinking about that existentially of like having the vision of your own death literally in front of you, like having being physically confronted with it is just I mean and then immediately she goes and like has a funeral for herself basically mm-hmm. yeah like a ritual it's just it's terrifying and she was 16 yeah. like my mind would break and I'm at least four or five years older than her thank you <laughs> but I mean I can't imagine that as a 16 year old like that's the thing as humans we all you know the denial of death mm-hmm. once you sort of once that wall comes down and you become cognizant of your own mortality life completely changes and I don't think a 16 year old is necessarily equipped to deal with that but she tried she tried I feel like I'm not equipped for this movie no <laughs> <laughs> exactly this movie makes you grow up you know oh my gosh it's so well done though it's so amazing like all the actors and also the sound design it's just kind of ambient and then builds like these kind of like whenever you see either like the image of Alice's phone or the images that Maddie manipulates. Mm-hmm. It's so yeah, fun. it's it's just a really complete package. Like every element strengthens every other element, and it just comes together perfectly. I think. Mm-hmm. I think we, when this movie is really a lot of when people talk about it it's like oh that one scene it's gonna be the scariest thing blah 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 blah. and so I think some horror fans who haven't seen it go into it expecting something completely different Mm -hmm. and they come out really bored (laughs) because it is a very quiet very somber and thoughtful movie Mm -hmm. um and like I said it affected me more the second time I saw it um for sure but I think it's just one of those that burrows under the skin and before you know it you're losing your mind yeah yeah absolutely yeah it definitely wasn't what I expected it to be yeah at all because I had heard of like oh you won't believe this part of this movie (laughs) yeah and then it's like no it's actually just like a dread piece that'll make you feel bad yeah (laughs) it's just a way like it's it's a great movie (laughs) yeah but it's a a movie movie for sure definitely it's a movie about a bunch of sad people Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) like both before and after death like just a bunch of sad people yeah but I'm into movies I like give me that existential dread you know give me the movies about grief I love them yeah I don't know why but yeah it is kind of like another like sneaky movie that's actually about grief Mm -hmm. that we've been kind of seeing um yeah in the past few years yeah you've got the you've got your quiet ones like this and you've Mm -hmm. got your hereditary where everybody's screaming and yelling and on fire yeah everybody grieves differently okay sometimes we just wander into people's houses late at night sometimes we set our husbands on fire who knows you never know grief is weird don't judge me yeah is what i'm saying (laughs) 
But you mentioned Don't Look Now earlier talking mm-hmm. about the movie Psychic. And I think this is, I don't know if it's a companion piece, but I would put, I would sit Don't Look Now, Picnic at Hanging Rock and Lake Mungo at the same table at a wedding, you know? Yeah. There's a kinship between those three movies. There is, definitely. So. Good. It's so good. Good. I need to watch all three of them together. Right. You've seen the other two, right? You've seen. I. I'm a bad movie fan. I haven't seen it. No, it doesn't mean you're. Doesn't mean you're a bad movie fan. There's. I mean, we can't see everything, right? Yeah. I've Uh, seen uh, parts of it, and it's so like it just it looks like a dream. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. Like I love, if somebody, you know, if somebody was like, hey, have you ever seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre? And I said, no, it's like, how exciting. I have this incredible movie waiting for me. So don't ever, no one feel bad about not having seen something, my goodness. I guess like, yeah, since doing this show and starting to program, it's like, oh, I realize I haven't seen any movie. Yeah. <laughs> I've, only seen, I've only seen Scream uh, 2000 times, but I haven't seen anything else. Right. Yeah, well, and also tastes change sometimes mm-hmm. over the years. And so it's like, you might really be into slasher movies for a time and only watching those. And then you mm-hmm. discover some new subgenre and you have a whole slew of new movies waiting for you. Yeah. Listen, I don't judge anybody. I have never seen Forrest Gump. Okay, all right. <laughs> and you call yourself a blogger. <laughs> I call myself a horror blogger and yet I've never seen Forrest Gump. Can you believe this? I don't know. I wish I hadn't. I would love to be able to see these movies for the first time all over again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. you'd be surprised for someone who's only a few years older than 16. I've seen quite a few movies. Though, so. <laughs> <laughs> do the college kids think I'm one of them? The ones listening? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How do you do talking fellow... about Forrest Gump. Yeah. How do you do fellow kids? You know. <laughs> <laughs> You guys like Forrest Gump, right? <laughs> That's what they're into. Yeah. Vaping I haven't seen Forrest any Gump. Uh, Forrest Gump TikToks yet, so maybe yeah. I'll start. Uh, there's an idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's a crowd waiting to happen. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Don't yuck my yum. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, I think that's our show for this week um okay thank you stacy thank you so much for being on the show thank you for having me this thank is great it's exciting to be in canada oh yeah welcome virtually welcome yes, thank you <laughs> well, i thought you canadians were nice but <laughs> i'm gonna enjoy some do, do care i'm gonna oh. enjoy some health care while i'm here so, you know yeah, yeah it's all good well, no. see what else we have that's it right now that's it yeah <laughs> <laughs> it sucks here in a lot of ways right now but um yeah we do have some health care yeah so hey it sucks here too and we yeah. don't have health care so oh <laughs> <laughs> come to canada yeah right there you go yeah. listen it sucks everywhere okay all right <laughs> <laughs> uh where can people find your work you have to, you have to oh. talk about yourself you have to do a soft uh, break talk about yourself a little bit man uh okay well i do have a weekly podcast gaylords of darkness you can find out all about that at gaylordsofdarkness.com uh i do have a horror blog it's finalgirl.rocks 
I don't know. I mean, I write for Rumorg magazine. That's Canadian, you know. Woohoo! Uh, so I'm sure everybody knows about Rumorg. Mm, I guess that's it. I'm around. I don't know. Final girl, final F I N A L G R R L on the social, on the Instagram anyway. I'm so bad at this. Uh, it's hard. Um, it's hard. Yeah. I hate it. Uh, Dealwithdarkness.com. You'll find everything. Great. And a great podcast. And ah, yeah, well, it's like, yeah, one of the reasons why I started my show. So this has been very special. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That's what an honor. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Uh, um, yeah. And you can listen to Bikini Drive-In every Sunday on CKW 95.9 FM or wherever you listen to podcasts. And yeah, thank you Take you from me.
by volunteer community involvement. This is CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg. <laughs> 